Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to Discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com. It's only us from the Custard TV podcast. Me being Luke, uh, editor of TheCustardTV.com. Thanks for visiting. Uh, Matt's in the northern area. Hello. Hello, you haven't introduced me with that for a while, you know, I was no, thinking I that. Yeah. Oh, I thought I'd old school you. Yeah, because yeah, he was Gary in the London area, but he's not in the London area anymore. No, so he's, that, in, a, that he's in a quaint village. What is he again? What's his title, his new title? Parish Councillor. Parish Councillor, yes, yeah. Will he go around to people's houses if they're flooded? What, with a bucket? Yeah, just to say, <laughs> we're here to help. <laughs> If you need me, because people got know. very annoyed when Boris Johnson didn't turn up after the floods, uh, and I just wonder whether Gary would do a similar thing in his local I don't think it's that sort of position, area. is it? Okay, we really need to get him back on. I've got all these burning questions. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. In fact, speaking of old school, we're going to start the podcast today with a bit of news. Um, this news I wanted your opinion on. It's from uh, the Guardian, but broadcast and Daily Mail have reported it as well. So there's various sources. It says BBC Three could return to broadcast TV in some form four years after the youth focused channel became online only. Uh, the BBC yeah. insiders had the discussions had taken place as to whether the brand should once again have a presence on traditional TV but no final decision has been made. A spokesman told the Daily Mail it suggested a return was on the cards. And this seems mad, doesn't it? Because it Mm. wasn't that long ago that they were saying, kids don't watch TV, teenagers don't watch TV, they're all online. Four years ago. (laughs) I knew you'd you'd listen to the finer details. That just shows you that the decision wasn't well thought out in the first place. There's even a suggestion that BBC Four could move online as part of the iPlayer to make room for BBC Three uh, to be back on uh, Freeview and uh, traditional TV. I would only miss the um, the top of the pop stories of and then the <laughs> foreign drama on BBC Four. So as long as I can get that on the iPlayer, it'd be all right. You say sort of watching and things like. I think the BBC Four audience is probably bigger sort of terrestrial TV than than uh, BBC Three would particularly be. But I, yeah, I don't know if it's sort of like the Love Island thing. Yeah, maybe. But that show warrants watching it on TV, doesn't it? Because that you've got the 
social media aspect to it and the the sort of talking about it at work the next day and things like that. Whereas there's nothing on certainly currently on the BBC Three lineup that would sort of warrant that same sort of viewing habit. I don't think most of the stuff is is showing on on BBC One anyway. Yeah. Are they finding that that stuff, even though it's on quite late, is getting better ratings than some of the stuff? I'm wondering. See, we don't know how well this country rates. We've no idea. Do we, we not? Never tell us. No. Well, I don't. Do you? Well, well I stick my with my original sources. sentence. Then, <laughs> no, we have no idea how well, well this country rates, but I think it's because a lot of the shows lately, like this country and Fleabag, have had a lot of acclaim, and they're just sort of on at ten thirty-five late on BBC One on a Monday or Friday night, and maybe they want to give them prominence again. But I don't know. I think it's something they made the decision. They just got to stick with it. Or they have to come cap in hand and say, look, we screwed up a little bit. Here's the channel we took off. Mm. Um, but I don't know. know, aside from, you know, this, this the ones you've just mentioned, I, I couldn't really name you a lot of stuff no. that's on BBC Three. Maybe that's just... I know, obviously, you... Your sort of this is your sort of main focus, so you probably know more than me. I, I. I know we've liked some of the documentaries and things as well. You don't know, do you? I don't know... You know, every channel has got that old, older viewing population anyway, and I think that's right to the extent, unless they've seen some sort of growth in in youngsters viewing things on the on the main channels. I don't know. Yeah, I'm assuming. I don't really understand. I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of the younger people, tuned in for Gavin and Stacey, and they would have been mm. young when Gavin and Stacey was a thing. So maybe they're looking at that and thinking, well, there is an audience there and we're not catering for them on the TV, which they haven't really. Although one yeah. of the shows we're talking about this week... I was just going to say, yeah. does feel like they're catering for them yeah. a bit more. Anyway, yeah. that was news. That was nice. I enjoyed yeah. talking about news. Yeah, we'll just have to do, do some more news. Yeah. <laughs> on the podcast today, we have um, Murray Blackman's adaptation by the BBC of her novel Noughts and Crosses. We have uh, a new NBC comedy coming to E4. There's already been on E4, actually. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. We will do our utmost to continue looking in-depth at the Inside Number 9's this series with Episode 5 under the microscope this week. Um, Also, we're going to talk about um, the return of one of the best shows of last year, Race Across the World, which Matt didn't see any of last year, I'm assuming. And And I made watch this year, and I'm hoping that uh, he enjoyed it as much as me. And then there is another one uh, from Apple TV+. Plus. You may remember we raved about Little America, but what did we think of Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet? Ugh. We've got the uh, the latest rewind as well. Yeah, so, so a lot. We're basically <laughs> going to be here for the next four hours. Let's start with... Um, Apple TV Plus's Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. I've started going to the cinema quite a lot and, and they seem to be playing these trailers for these um, Apple TV Plus uh, shows. So uh, that's sort of why we did Little America. And, and this one is set I in... I need you of... to stop going to the cinema, or at least arriving yeah. after well, the Well, I, I, I will... Um forgo the one that they're trailering a lot at the moment which is bulletproof series two so we thank <laughs> you thank you very much so this is set in the um studio of a video game company mythic quest is a world of warcraft type game i would say and and it's been a, a massive success and it's basically the 
the team there. So you've got the the creator. I want to say uh, Ian, but they kept calling him Iron. Yes, that, annoyed, that was one of my first. Uh, annoyances. I, I was going to say that that would have annoyed Luke. And and this is created, I should say, by the people behind. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Notably, Rob McLaney, who also stars as, as Iron. Then you've got the lead engineer, Poppy, who's quite highly strung. Danny Pudi from Community. In this, he plays the head of monetization, Brad. Very odd casting that F. Murray Abraham is in this as this yes. sort of pompous writer, um, C.W. Longbottom. Uh, we've also got uh, David Hornsby, who's also in um, It's Always Sunny. Uh, he's playing the sort of the boss of the the group, the executive producer. And then there's also the two game testers who are in a different room and sort of just appear every now and then. Um, it's sort of your traditional workplace sitcom, really, but sort of a new sort of modern workplace, I suppose. Luke, from your tone, I get I get you didn't really like this very much. So there's a couple of scenes where they're all bearing their soul to the um, the head of human resources. I liked that, and I liked her, and I liked the way they used her, and I thought she was very good. And I liked um, the bit where they're taking the mick out of him while he's tested. He's trying to make a point, and it, they're fiddling about with his voice and and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. yeah, yeah. The rest of it, it's a bit. <laughs> I, I um, it reminded me of Silicon Valley, which people have raved about, and I just I tried a couple of times and just haven't been able to get on board with. It's a world that I don't really understand. I don't know, I just found it a little irritating. I found them mm. all a little irritating. None of it made me smile, really. It was just a bit yeah. of a, I'll get through this. I'll get through it. It'll be all right. Um, bit of Daniel Beddingfield. Yeah, it was more It was more of a arduous task for me. Mm. I, um, I just didn't... And I like what I've seen of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm. which, according to the US critics I follow, is in its 15th season and still churning out... Yeah. You know, disgusting-worthy episodes, but I don't know. This just yeah. fell, fell a bit. That's got a bit of an edge to it, though. It's always sunny. You know, they tackle very controversial topics, whereas this, as I say, it felt very old-fashioned in a way. It felt very like you, you sort of traditional workplace sitcoms. You, you know, it reminded me of something like Just Shoot Me off off the top of my head. You know, where people would go into the studio and you'd have different people in different offices and they'd have different conversations. I did watch a little bit of the second episode as well. And each episode seems to be a couple of people in the office versus another person in the office and those sort of feuds and and the comic sort of possibilities from them. As you say, there's certain bits of it. I, I do quite like the game testers, actually, and it seems a sort of side story where where one of them sort of attracted to the other one, but they're sort of like sidened off from the rest of the um, the gang, really. F. Murray Abraham seems to be in a different sitcom to everyone else. Danny Pudi seems to want to be playing against type here as sort of the non-nerd who doesn't really understand the gaming world, but we still think of him as our bed, really. I don't think he's going to... It didn't have an audience proxy, did it, really? No. It didn't have someone going, I'm like you, I don't understand this mm. world either, and I'm I'm planted in it, and I don't get it. And it just felt like, from the off, it was very all about swords. I didn't understand why that mattered. Spades? Uh, spades, sorry. <laughs> no, shovels. Shovels. Well, that's sort of a spade. <laughs> well, spades. 
<laughs> shovel spades, big shovel. It wasn't for no. me. And, uh, no, no. Yeah. But was, it, was it for you? I, I, I mean... I, you know, there were bits I liked. I, I think I agree with you, but there was no one sort of to latch on to. It's sort of a forgettable show, though, really. You know, it's not yeah. up there. It's not sort of something like Little America, which was quite unique, or... Uh, the morning show, which was sort of the big name sort of vehicle. This, this ve- even though as well it's been re- uh, renewed already for a second. They've done, they've done that with every one of their um, commissions yeah. though at the moment. Have they done that with Little America? Yes. That'd be yeah. interesting. Whereas this, every, no, this every, isn't every, interesting. Let's continue on with our American sitcoms. This one is... Um... This is really old school because we're doing the American show. I know. <laughs> Shall I get the jingle out? I'll dig out the jingle. <laughs> Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Let me walk you through the premise of this one. So, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Best of luck. Basically, Zoe is um, a coder in San Francisco. And she goes for an MRI because she's getting these headaches. Her father has had um, this rare neurological disease that has left him unable to talk. So her mother urges her to, if you're worried about these headaches, it's not how your dad started, but go and have this MRI. Uh, So she has the MRI, and while she's in there, she's in San Francisco, so there's an earthquake, and a massive musical playlist is transplanted into her brain. It's the technician, isn't it? It has this Spotify playlist that he says, you know, I've got everything on here. And and this tune he chooses to use is It's the End of the World as We Know It. Yeah. So during the earthquake, in the MRI machine, her brain gets implanted with all these songs, which has the strange effect of her being able to perceive the innermost thoughts of people around her in the form of popular songs. And we see people just breaking into song around her. The craziest thing just happened to me. One second I'm getting an MRI and the next second... Almost as if they were singing what they were all thinking out loud. Some songs are sung to me by complete strangers, others by my closest friends and family. Wait, are you hearing a song right now? All I see is a bunch of mostly white people drinking overpriced coffee. Because of this new ability, I discovered that my best friend is in love with me. I'm a sucker for you. What? Lauren Graham of the Gilmore Girls plays Zoe's boss. Uh, Mary Steenburgen of uh, Ted Danton's wife uh, plays Zoe's mother. And Peter Gallagher has a very odd role, as, as, as I mentioned, her father. This is Kimmy Schmidt-esque for me. I think the, the thing that people have compared it to most, which is a show we didn't watch, is My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, it's bright, it's colourful, it's musical, mm-hmm. it's big musical flash numbers... It's American network comedy twin yeah. for me. Mm. You know, because sometimes I'll be watching stuff and, and like The Good Place and things and go, I was such an idiot for just yeah. completely dismissing everything on American network television. And then I watched this and I was like, no, I had my head screwed on. I understood what was the, what the, the one, the the one was. element of this that you, you did a very good job setting it up, by the way, but the sort of the one <laughs> element which they set up early on is that Zoe herself doesn't know any, any songs. Yeah. That I thought would annoy you. That was the a little bit, but the because she's got this, she's got this DJ neighbour who plays 
um, songs early in the morning and annoys her. And then we see Zoe leave the house listening to a, a podcast. You know, who would do that? Um, Sado. Sado. And the other sort of trope here is at the end of this first episode, she finds out that her male best friend is in love with her. And she, can also very... talk, and she can also communicate with her dad through song. High concept twee goes in the direction you'd expect it to do. Whether it can re- withstand this premise for... I think they're now... A normal network season is now 13 or 18 okay. rather than the old 24. So whether it can sustain that, I don't know. After I watched it, I searched out some reviews and they've been pretty favourable. But yeah. I don't know. It reminded me of like Brian Fuller on a bad day. Yeah, like pushing daisies, that sort of yes. thing. My main thinking point was, oh, I wonder what the budget was for the song rights on Yeah, this. I wonder how they got all those musics cleared. Like, yeah, how whether was, was the big yeah. number, wasn't it? And whether they're going to keep having to repeat the same songs occasionally because they've still got the rights for them and things. Yeah. Just getting REMs, it's, not, it's the end of the world as we know it. It's quite impressive yeah. on its own. And then they added in Hey Jude and Help and all these other things. Mad Worlds. I just sort of feel with all of these, they're all sort of generated from the same model, aren't they? They don't they don't make you feel anything. They don't make no. you they don't I know what you mean. Yeah, she's not a sort of particularly well crafted cat certainly at this early stage. Yeah. Again, I think it's hard for a show like this. You might have to watch a couple of episodes to relax into it. The concept is so sort of bonkers that, you know, it might take two or three episodes. Like, I suppose, like, Pushing Daisies. Mm. But I think there's so much on that it's it's one that I'm seeing. And it's odd, E4 have put it on, like, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Yeah. As if it's risque. Yeah. But it's, it's strange that they've sort of got it in the... I, I don't understand, of all the US shows, why they've picked this one. I often wonder whether things come as a bundle. So Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, uh, you can watch it for yourself. It might be for you if you are a fan of My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and things, which I, I have tried and have liked. But yeah. it's, oh, okay. it's Again, it's a, it's a bit like that. I find that too in your face as well. And this this was even more off-putting for its like me, like me, this is special kind of thing. Uh, it's on Wednesday nights, I believe, on E4 at the ridiculously late time of 10 o'clock. Yeah, I literally just said that. Well, I just thought I'd reiterate. I don't know whether, I don't know whether the listeners are like me, whether they tune out when you talk or not. So I thought, <laughs> I may as well repeat it. <laughs> Good show. The best and the worst on the box. People arrange their lives so they wouldn't miss their favourite programme. It's the Custard TV Podcast. Let's do uh, Noughts and Crosses. Um, This is Mallory Blackman adaptation uh, from the BBC of Noughts and Crosses. Would you mind, sir, setting this one up as I did all my good setting up on the last one? So this is set in a sort of alternate reality where 700 years earlier, um, sort of the African nation took over the globe. Black people are the sort of ruling classes. The sort of working class, the lower class are white characters. So the noughts and the crosses of the of the title. We follow two uh, young people. Callum, who is the white character in this he is he's a a naught he's a naught he is uh, the young son 
of a um, housekeeper of a sort of wealthy black family. He is trying out for a prestigious school when we first meet him, and he's involved in this sort of police riot. You know, this for a friendly enough gathering of the noughts. Uh, they end up beating up original Ben Mitchell from EastEnders. He needed uh, to have been down. <laughs> Uh, and so he's quite angry about this throughout the the rest of the episode. His brother's there as well, and as a result, a result of what's happened, his brother thinks about joining this sort of Nort's resistance force. The family that his mum works for, they're the Home Secretary's family. Patterson Joseph plays the Home Secretary, who has a daughter called Sefi. Uh, it's short, that's short for Persephone. But she's sort of looking more into the truth about what's happening in the culture between the noughts and the crosses. And it's sort of like a bit of a Romeo and Juliet love story, I suppose, is, yeah. is the main thing yeah. set against this very sort of cross-cultural environment. I have to say, I didn't have any foreknowledge of the novel. I, I have to say, I hadn't even heard of it, which makes me sound awful. I quite like the opening and the sort of the way it made you feel about the flipped alternative universe if you like and the persecution being on the other side but the rest of it was just a bit too teen for me you mentioned Romeo and Juliet it's basically what it is it's these families who are opposite to one another there's even talk that noughts can't hold hands with crosses on buses and things it's a very segregated society it's just basically Romeo and Juliet in a different setting and I thought Jack Rowan was pretty awful I didn't like him at all I didn't like it. I didn't connect. I didn't... You described it as quite amdram, didn't you, on Twitter? Yeah, that's what it felt like. It, it felt like something you'd see in school to sort of yeah. teach you something about don't tire everyone with the same brush. Yeah. It felt it felt very, and, you know... Yeah, it, put... interestingly, this is taught in schools, year seven, year eight level, so, mm. you know, 11, 12, This 13, is something, right? when Matt and I were in school, they'd have wheeled in a big telly with a big yeah. VCR underneath and made us sit through this. And I would say that probably, if I did see it at 11 or 12, it would probably I, have an yeah. impact on me. I would me... equate to, I, I think because we grew up in a time where children's tv certainly on like the bbc they used to do dramatic adaptations like this so this would for me be something that i would see being on like cbbc at five o'clock <laughs> as a 9 p.m drama um yeah. when they used to put a lot more effort into children's pro i assume i don't I, you know i don't watch children's tv anymore luke will have to well, tell me off, off oh, my yeah, it's all right it's still good i suppose the thing for me and i i i think it's some of the points you made is it didn't feel like a 9 p.m drama no, and i know really we were talking didn't. about last week about all 9 p.m dramas feeling the same so i think again this was a little bit different and i think the themes are quite relevant to, to today's... Oh, absolutely, absolutely they are. And, and I, I think, you know, as you say, they did start with the bang with that opening scene. Interesting casting with um, Ian Hart and Helen Baxendale playing the pair. Yeah, I have to admit, it took me 10 minutes just to adjust to her new hairstyle. It okay. took me a while. I, I, I knew uh, it was her, but I just it was an admirable adaptation of the book, and I, I do like Mallory Blackman's writing. I haven't read this. I've read some of her, her other books. But, yeah, I, I think this would appeal to 
a younger audience. It's good that they're putting this on, but I don't think this is something that would appeal to like a, a 9 p.m. crowd. You know, I think this no. has replaced Death in Paradise on. It has, yeah. yeah. It has. I think maybe a, like a family audience could sit down and watch this together. So that's a yeah, good absolutely. thing again yeah. because. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they can't watch together, you know, like Silent Witness or what have you. This is this is something, and, and having that discussion about what's going on afterwards. But, and that's you know, where the iPlayer thing works, isn't it? Mm, because it yeah. means you don't have to watch it at 9 o'clock on a Thursday if you don't want to. If you're and a family yeah. at a loss at 8 o'clock or half 7, then you can stick this on and, and watch it. And I think it does say something. It It will speak to the right audience. It's just that... I don't feel I'm at the, I'm at the age where it can it can really affect me yeah. because I and it really... looks great as well. We should say. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. they've obviously sort of, and maybe that's why it's on BBC One at nine pm because they've splashed the cash on it. You know, did, but did again, you buy into the relationship between them? All seemed a bit clunky. The chemistry. Yeah, yeah they had not zero. Really? Chemistry. No. To me- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Me, personally, being my age, I would have watched this at you know 5 p.m on a on a weekday rather than 9 p.m so i like what it was going for but personally not for me let's talk about a program i like then this is the return of race across the world uh, series one was a bit of a slow burn hit that i i watched and my family really got into and then i started to notice rumblings of other people i i look at online and follow online saying they're really enjoying it and um by the end, it had really become a proper rating tip, which is rare for two reasons. It's on at 8pm and it's on on BBC Two, and those those two things don't often garner big ratings. But in a lot of ways, the idea of this is quite old-fashioned, but in another way, it's a thing all of its own and feels quite contemporary. This is a race across the world, teams of two people, in this case, a mother and a son, a brother and a sister... A couple who have just um, not long been together and a couple who have been married 10 years. They have to get from Mexico City to, and I'm trying to think how John Hanna said it, Ashua, I believe, in Argentina. And they have to get there without using mobile phones, without using any kind of modern technology. They are given the equivalent in cash to the price of the airfare from New- from Mexico to to the Argentinian final stop they have to um, work they have to reach certain checkpoints and fill in a book to find out how they've whether they've come arrived first second third and things one of the reasons I always praise the break-off is because they were so good at casting lovely people and even if you didn't connect or gel with some of the people in this first episode then by the end of series one, everyone that I was less keen on, I was really attached to by the end. It's really exciting, it's really stressful, I really love it, and it's a, it's going to be something that I look forward to every Sunday. Matt didn't see any of series one, because we didn't actually review it, to be fair, but when I knew this was coming back, I said, could you please watch it? And so I'm intrigued to know 
how you got on with the first episode of Race Across the World. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I wanted to like it more because I know how passionate you are about it. And maybe that was, it was too much pressure. And I feel like, and I know I saw you on Twitter last night um, arguing with someone who said it was like The Amazing Race, which I know you said you never, you'd never seen an episode no, of. No, I, I, I looked up The Amazing Race and that, yeah. that's more sort of staged. And they've yeah, got all the mod- it is. I, I used to watch it. not religiously but I I remember watching a few episodes when I think it probably aired on like living TV or something over here on and they've got access to modern technology there and there's a lot of you know these American ones have a lot of dramatic music following this is kind of a clever hybrid because it's sort of it appeals to BBC Two folk because it's part travel log and you see part of of the world you've never seen that didn't sort of the the, the sort of the travel logs bits of it i think maybe slowed it down a little bit for me i liked the elements where you got to know the people and their relationships and things like that like you said there was the the uncle and nephew you know he'd been excommunicated from the family i think they were like a muslim family weren't they there was the brother and sister who had drifted apart over several years uh there was a couple who weren't living together met yeah, over the Tinder. internet and yeah. you know this is the longest amount of time they would they would be spending together since they've been together. So it's interesting sort of dynamics. You've got the mother and son with the son who's got. I ADHD. really like. I really like that. And the mother's yeah. got. So diabetes. I like the the relationships and and that element of it. But I think maybe the travelogue element of it, where it sort of slowed it down a bit for me. The pace was a little bit uneven. I'm not going to prioritise this, but you know I could see the merit in it and i can see sort of why you like it but i think it it, it's it just there wasn't enough for me in it i i I was sort of drifting towards the end i like it because it Mm. feels like a reality show that would have been on a peak a peak of the when those shows were massive it's competition it's a race they only win what do they win 20 20 they sort of get on with one another that they often because of where they're heading, they often pass one another or they sometimes May- end up together. I, I think maybe because y- you watch it with other people. I don't know if mm. that's, you know... Maybe, yeah, maybe. You've got sort of someone to talk about it with after, and it's sort of that um, shared experience, you know, whereas, you know, I'm watching it on my own on the laptop. It might That might be the, the sort of the maybe. different experiences of it. I liked it fine, but nothing... I, I wouldn't say there was anything to shout from the rooftops about for me. I, I really I really liked all the couples. I like I like the story yeah, and of I the guy who'd lost his lost his hearing and things. Yeah. I would yeah. I, I would urge uh, people to give it a go if they've not. Yeah. A race across the world, eight o'clock Sundays. As far as I know it's eight weeks, but I might be wrong. Um I, I assumed it was eight. Um Race Across the World Sundays at eight on BBC two. It's time to rewind. <laughs> Let me play this backwards. This is Freaks and Geeks. Um, You may remember if you listened last week, we were a bit tepid on the two that we watched last week. Well, the the first first one of the two, the the basketball These two felt like Freaks and Geeks' greatest hits. These are the two that I remember quite vividly. These are the two that... When the show is referenced, um, you often see clips of Sam walking down the hall in his his John Travolta suit. uh, And you often hear about Neil opening the garage door. 
uh, which we'll get into in a minute. I really enjoyed both of these. So episode 11, Looks and Books, another rhyming title. Well done. Um, Lindsay's Choice, I think this should be called. Um, She's sort of coerced into taking her parents' car by, by the freak so they can move some amps. Lindsay ends up crashing the car. Her parents then forbid her from spending any more time with her new friends and ground her as well. She sort of looks at maybe the the selfishness of her new group and thinks maybe I made a mistake and retreats back to her old self, wears the sort of the hair bows and the hair clips and rejoins the mathlete, befriends Millie once again, but then sort of thinks maybe, you know, these people aren't as holier than now that I remember. The grass may not be greener on the other side. I'm not as happy playing this. Yeah, playing this role. Sort of a subplot of that is sort of Lindsay being quite upfront with the freaks and saying, you know, you've got no ambition and things like that and and makes them question their own sort of futures and, and, you know, whether they've been coasting. And it leads to quite a nice little sort of conclusion at the end. And then uh, Sam's story here is that he's jealous of Cindy's new relationship with Todd. Geeks say, oh, it's because of his sort of feathered hair. Sam tries to impress Cindy with a new hairstyle, which which doesn't work. He then goes shopping for new clothes. And as you say, he ends up in a in a powder blue suit that he gets completely mocked for. And there's a nice little heart-to-heart at the end with the, the guidance counsellor. It mm. just seems so well done and genuine and, and believable. Um, yeah, the, the, I, I'd for, it's one of those things where I remember the geek plot and completely forgotten the... Um, the freak yeah. plot, if you like, and I I remember that geek plot quite a lot because you you used to see. I think they used it in a lot of the ads. Yeah, a lot of the you know recap, I suppose, like lookbacks yeah. and things like yeah. that as well. But I really like this insight into Lindsay evolved, and mm. we, until this point, we'd heard about her previous life through Millie and through the parents, and her sort of regressing was quite interesting and I um, I thought it was again really well done and the parents again fantastic they they didn't sort of do any shouting or any ranting and raving it was already one note and calm and I think they're, they're what, some of the best TV parents I've ever yeah. seen really because often they can be quite cliched background characters and these feel very important to the world they're, they're, the kids want to respect them and want to please them as opposed to want to get away with stuff all the time, which we're used to seeing in these high school dramas. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. This one was not a slog. This one was easy. And I thought the conclusion where the freaks come to cheer her on at the at Yeah, the I liked that. Certainly the, the freaks part of it felt very well realised. And as you say, it was interesting seeing Lindsay back where she was prior to the start of the season and you know it was one of those where she may have been a little bit nostalgic you know I think you feel the character always feels well what if that life was for me and you know I, I've made I've made a mistake and this this is her thinking well maybe I'll ha-, you know there was that girl in the mathletes who was very sort of dismissive of her and stuff um, and I think the fact that the the other freaks came to cheer her on more supportive I think than the than the Mathletes were made her 
realised that she had made friends and they weren't just exploiting her because of her sort of different background and her access to things that they don't have. So, yeah, I like that. I think the the Geeks plot for me, I think, was a little bit sort of generic again. The boy trying to impress his crush and and then the ill-fitting outfit and things like that. I did like the the bit at the end with the guidance counsellor. I think that was, you know, saying, oh, he's really cool and things like that. And I like that, but it's definitely sort of overshone by the stuff with the freaks in this episode. As is often the case. The Garage Door, which is episode 12. We met Neil's father in the last episode, in the last week's Rewind. So they look up to him. He's sort of the cool parent. He's Neil, we haven't really seen much of his home life, but his dad's a dentist and he showers him with gifts and he's just generally a cool guy and um, they, they all admire him and then it all goes wrong when Sam is out at the mall looking at pots and pans with his mum and happens to see Mr. Swiber. So Sam sees Mr. Swiber, Neil's mum, Neil's dad, in the arms of another woman. He sort of downplays it and says, she's a friend from high school, we've just bumped into each other, but something feels wrong about the situation. And um, Sam confides in Bill, and Bill says, look, we've had this uh, agreement that we don't keep secrets from one another. They tell Neil, who brushes it off as first as you would and then eventually goes rooting around in his dad's car finds another garage door opener that doesn't belong to them and gets his friends involved in um, going around the streets on their bikes to try and find out which garage door this clicker will open and uh, it kind of reveals uh, when it is eventually opened they see his dad's car in there the Freaks storyline, which does take a bit of a, a backslide, is Lindsay trying to distance herself from um, Nick. He thinks her bad mood or her change in, in attitude is because they're broken up, but he, she still thinks she's quite keen, so she's trying to distance herself from him a bit. But hey, the good news is there is actually some Seth Rogen here. I know. He gets a story. <laughs> he gets a story. So Ken, who um, who at the start they're all watching the the school band playing, and they sort like of mock, marching band, isn't it? They they mock the tuba player, and they sort of had a, a, a spiky exchange, and it turns out that this is a girl who's friends with Lindsay. They go way back, and Ken is using his sarcasm to hide the fact that they quite like each other, that he quite likes her, and uh, Lindsay asked her to go with them to the laser show. Um, so they're together. And, and I didn't remember this at all. I liked him having a story. I understand now I why do, you... Kept... I, I, I remember there's another episode later on with her that I remember. There's also the stuff with Kim and Daniel where he'd taken another girl to this this laser show previously and she was a bit jealous of it. So they all have their little plots going into them going to this laser show don't know there's sort of three separate plots with the nick and Lindsay, daniel and uh, kim and ken and i think it's amy like there was equal stuff yeah. equal now in this say, now you remind me it's sort of yeah. 50 50 isn't it 50 yeah. 50 but i think the stuff definitely the stuff with neil packs a more emotional punch sam levine excellent in this episode really in good. the scenes where Neil's just going around the neighbourhood with this little garage clicker 
firstly with Bill and Sam and then slowly abandoned by them and it's just that sort of frustration on his face and thing and I just mm. I, I really liked that because it does end sort of ambiguously doesn't it Dr Schweiber has that that conversation with Sam when he books him in for his checkup and things like that doesn't he that is quite ambiguous about what's going on and I did like all the stuff with with Ken as well I think Seth Rogen finally getting the chance to do something and you know this is his first crush and he he, he was saying to, they, there's that really nice scene with him and Lindsay where he asked Lindsay to ask Amy to go with them to the to the laser show and it's just like I feel weird of the two this was the superior one for me I think yes. every every character had something to do everything, everything just meshed well teenagers going somewhere where they could sort of you know make out with each other and I liked you know at the end you had the scenes of the two couples together and then Lindsay and Nick separated by the the chair there you know sort of making up re- revealing that why they'd been like they had to each other. And, and, and I thought I, Nick had to return to his ordinary character here. Yeah. He said, I'd be, be lying if I didn't say this was painful. And yeah. It felt like he was back to him again. Yeah, really superior, really brilliant. The Rewind continues, I'll just say again, as I do every week, all there on all four and Amazon Prime Video. And that was episode, what number was that? 11 episode, and 12. 11 and 12. 13 and 14, next time. We're getting the towards Rewind. the end. What are we going to do next? Magic roundabout. Something a bit like. Well, I think I think bodies, isn't it? Now. <laughs> oh, I was hoping for the animals of Farthingwood, but we'll do bodies. Look, you say that's probably bodies is probably lighter than the animals of Farthingwood. Do you not remember? Probably some of the trolls. I think I think the death I think the death uh, rate is probably similar. Actually, yeah. <laughs> now I think about it. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. Finally then, we'll end as we always do. We're always a week behind on this, so we're going to be talking about the fifth episode of Inside Number Nine's fifth series called Thinking Out Loud. I should say at this point, the BBC have commissioned series six and seven of the anthology series. A bit more news. Thought I'd spread it out. Leave news gatherers wanting more. Yeah, six and seven are confirmed for 2021 and 2022. Um, so this one was monologues to camera. Uh, Maxine Peake was the main star here. Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton obviously popping up. Did you want to sort of break this down? I don't think we need to talk about the characters and, and their no. them that deeply. But yeah, basically, so, we we see all these being filmed by it's, a yeah. So it's slight, it? it's slightly different. I, I suppose it's different people who would be speaking on camera. I mean, it had a sort of Alan Bennett's talking heads, didn't it? Mm. It was it was people narrating what was going on to camera. So it started with Phil Davis playing this widower who was doing uh, video dating. Then we had, as you say, Maxine Peake seemed to be sort of having a counselling session. Steve Pemberton was playing this American death row inmate or, or just yeah. prisoner. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there was a sort of a vlogger. Uh, and then we had um, Shearsmith was playing a guy who was dying of cancer, who was taping messages to his unborn daughter. And then the last one was like, uh, you didn't see a lot of her. She was like a singer. A choir singer. Should we talk about the twist or no? I think you have to on this one. Okay. But what I would say was, in Sunday Nine, its only constraint 
is the fact it has to have a twist. Mm. And I would say this series, and we haven't seen episode six yet, this series hasn't had that good sort of wow moment where you go, that was clever. They've had some great episodes. We liked mm. two and three. You liked one a bit more than I did. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I think sometimes the need to have a twist sort of lets it down because I loved all the talking heads. Mm. I love Reese Shearsmith, who was on the brink of death, talking to his to his unborn child. I found that really moving, and I found it really funny the Phil Davis thing talking um, to a potential suitor on the dating site. I just loved it all, and I thought it really jammed together. And then I think you have to talk about the twist because I found it kind of ruined things for me. And I didn't. I didn't like it at all i sort of guessed it a little bit i was thinking have you ever seen the film identity i feel like i have years ago it's john cusack ray liotta are the, are the main actors in it yeah. and it's these people who are stranded at a motel where they're, where they're being killed off one by one and it turns out that they are all personal 12 personalities in the same head of this of this prisoner i was thinking is it going to turn out that these are all the same person? And it's sort of, apart from Phil Davis, they all were. They were different elements, weren't they, of Maxine Peake's character, Nadia, who had suffered abuse um, at the hands of her father, who was the Phil Davis character. Um, And I think, had he killed her mum? Am I right in that? Yeah. Yeah. And he had been in prison for years, had come out. They'd found his internet dating video online, her, her and her therapist... And it, all the different elements of the personality were coming together to tell her to do different things. That was the sort of gist of the twist, wasn't it? I would have just quite liked the talking heads and the, just to be some link between all of them. But we didn't like we didn't know. For example, I was thinking towards the end, is it going to reveal who's behind the camera? You know, because she all... didn't do anything. <laughs> no the therapist. No, no. so. I was just, I felt a little bit let down because up until that point it was a really interesting piece of TV that Inside Number Nine does so well and I liked everybody and all the different elements and if it had just been revealed that somebody behind the camera was up to no good that would yeah. have been more satisfying to me than the ending we got. My heart sank a little bit when um, Steve Pemberton's prison prisoner character was in the bedroom of the vlogger because i thought okay yeah well she mentioned him hadn't she previously as well that she'd been harassed or something like that by one of his followers or so they were sort of interlinking it a little bit and they were making you think maybe the vlogger is the daughter of rishi smith yes i quite like that i thought it was clever up to that point and and a good half hour of tv but the, the ending sort of soured things for me do you feel the same but sometimes because they have to yeah no yeah they there's an expectation i think with things by Mm. shear smith and and, uh pemberton but some of the twists are quite like the the more sort of quieter ones like in uh love's great adventure where that worked because it wasn't the the abiding it wasn't over it wasn't over it was it it wasn't over And, and i suppose the the Psychoville one as well, where it was more the the twist was this is a Psychoville episode. There, and it'd be interesting to see if they did one that just didn't have a twist at the end. That would be a good twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you can get in touch with us on the usual ways. Review us on your podcast app of choice, please. It just helps to let people know we are, exist and we are real people. Um, Custard TV reviews at Gmail is the email address if you've got any burning questions for us. Um, at Lucas TV on Twitter and Maz TV Bites on Twitter. And if you want to interact with us both, we're both on the podcast feed as well, where you can see what um, our next social media uh, question of the week is. You'll be able to find out which guest we've one got. Of those in a while. No, but we went back to school. We did news. Yeah. We were, all right. Every, every little every little sentence is another way of mocking me. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks' time. Because uh, next week I'm at a party and I just need to oh. let my hair down. And Always in the kitchen sem- parties. It, oh yeah, that's where the food is. Um, <laughs> it's somebody's 70th, so we'll probably be done by nine. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.